0: This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised.
1: You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist and a sex and intimacy coach, and I have spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create and maintain meaningful relationships that contain sizzling sex without the shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Now, today the letter is M and M is for men, sex, and relationships. This week... I'm on my own and I'm answering questions that have been written in and I'll answer any ones that are phoned in as well about men, sex and relationships. I'm answering questions from everyone. And we're talking about people who are male identified, non-binary or gender fluid. So before we start with the questions, a quick couple of definitions. Non-binary gender identification is someone who doesn't identify as either male or female. They might identify as genderqueer as well. They may present as male-looking, female-looking, androgynous-looking, or challenging all stereotypes of gender. Pronouns vary, um, but they, them is fairly common. Gender fluid is someone who experiences themselves as moving along the gender spectrum depending on a variety of factors, either the day, their mood, or the context, and their pronouns vary. Sometimes they fit how they are presenting, other times they use they, them, or um, other programs, for example, Z. So now that we got the definitions out of the way, um, I've had people from my Facebook group writing in questions. I've had people from um, TikTok writing in questions, other social media, uh, friends, uh, colleagues. I just asked a lot of people to write in questions that pertain to men or male presenting people again, and non-binary and gender fluid and sex. So let's start with the first one. Let's see. So the first question I got asked was, how do I get my partner to initiate sex? And I love this question because the stereotype is that men don't like it when their partners initiate sex. And in fact, this really is a bit of a myth. Yeah, there are some men who don't like it. And certainly people don't like when a partner is initiating, is always initiating. But there are a lot of male identified folk who love when their partners initiate sex. And some even say that they don't feel desired if their partner never initiates sex. So when their partner says that they want sex, They know that their partner finds them sexy and desirable. So how do you get your partner to do this? Well, really the easiest way is to tell them that you'd love it if they did so. Everybody needs to remember that we're not mind readers. And so we do have to ask for what we want. And sometimes that can be really difficult particularly if you have made advances in the past and you've been rejected. People really find it difficult when they feel they've been rejected when asking for sex. And and sometimes the rejection is just, I'm really tired tonight. But often people misinterpret what that means and feel that they are being told that they are unattractive. So that's often one of the reasons... People don't ask and women won't ask because really they feel like they're going to get rejected again. So if you really want to get your partner to do this, just tell them, tell them you love it when they flirt with you, tell them you love it when they try- they're seductive and tell them you love it when they ask for sex. Okay. Next question. Does libido sex drive really drop when men get older? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And it drops slowly. In most cases. In some cases, it's actually quite a quick drop, but it's usually slowly. Testosterone is the hormone most responsible for sex drive in men, and it also plays a big role for women. Testosterone drops as a man gets older, and this can be what's responsible for low libido. Thankfully, this is a relatively easy fix. Supplementing testosterone will perk the libido right back up. The hard part is usually getting someone to see that it's a problem and go to the doctor to get it fixed. And this is because when your libido is low, you don't think about sex and you don't really care about it. And so it's hard to remember to do something about it. It seems that the more sex you're having, the more you think about it and the more you want it. And the less sex you're having often, the less you think about it and the less you want particularly if your libido is low. So what other things cause libido to drop in men other than age? Well, there are some medications that lower testosterone and they lower the the ability to have an erection and still others make ejaculation difficult. Um, One of the most common medications that will cause an issue is blood pressure medications. Blood pressure medications can cause a drop in libido. They can also cause problems with um, ejaculation, which can be incredibly frustrating. Um, Chemotherapy drugs, radiation, also can cause low libido. Drugs to treat prostate cancer target testosterone and deliberately try and lower it. And, And unfortunately the side effect of that is low sex drive. Um, let's see what else corticosteroids can lower or raise libido. So you can watch that. Now, these are, these are not anabolic steroids. Anabolic steroids, um, is different. That's muscle building, but that can also have an impact on, on libido. Um, they lower testosterone. And so that can cause really low libido. Opiates is a lesser known one that can cause problems. Opiates lower testosterone, they can also lower libido. Um, and um, that's often why um, opiate addicts aren't really that into sex. they're not bothered. Cimetidine, which is a medication for um, excess acid and um, GERD, right? Acid reflux disease, that can also, and a number of antidepressants can. So the thing is, these are side effects. So it's not, they always lower libido or they always have a ne- negative impact on testosterone or they always cause erectile dysfunction. It's It may, but you really need to have a conversation with your doctor about these issues. And you must highlight the fact that you want to have sex regularly and you would be disappointed if your libido dropped off or if you had erectile problems or if you couldn't ejaculate. Because otherwise, I hate to say this, But even male doctors don't tend to focus on this when choosing medications. And in many conditions, there are a choice of medications, and some of them may not cause these problems. I'm afraid medical doctors often take the attitude, what's the big deal once people get to a certain age, and that's male or female. Um, Those with um, vulvas and uteruses, yeah, They really tend not to to think that um, sex and physical intimacy is important, but that's even true for people with penises, right? It's even true for that, um, that oftentimes doctors are focused on whatever the medical issue is that they're trying to cure and don't necessarily consider that your sex life can be just as important. Um, Particularly when treating depression, there's this unfortunate attitude that I see a lot, which is, well, you know, the depression... um, can can be life-threatening for some people and it really um, makes their whole life miserable. And if you have to sacrifice your sex life, you know, it's not such a big deal if you're able to um, find motivation and feel better about yourself and feel better about the world. Well, you know, a lot of people become depressed because of their relationships. And for a lot of people, the physical part of their um, most intimate relationships, most emotionally intimate relationships is really important. And not having that can cause depression as well. So these are important things to be bringing up with your medical doctor when you're getting medications prescribed. And you need to go over side effects and look at how things interact because these are all fixable, right? So these are not permanent problems and that's really the good news. Um, Okay, so let me look and see if any questions have come in while we are talking. Um. Okay. Let me see. Ah, I've got another one. This is a great question. We are a couple of minutes from break. Um, and so I'm going to answer this one after the break, but I'm going to give it to you now. It was sent in by a listener. What are the things that people take for granted in men, especially sexually? So I'm going to start the answer with expectation that men always wanna have sex. People take for granted that men are ready whenever you ask them, that men always wanna have sex and that sex is extremely important to every man. Uh, People take for granted that men don't know how to talk about their feelings. That they are um, not good at um, talking about what they need and their emotions. Um, at all. Another thing that people take for granted around men is in, and sex is that um, um, erections are easy and, um, and ejaculation coming is easy, not a problem. So men never have problems with orgasm is a myth. Men can have problems with orgasm. Um, another is that um, problems in a relationship won't affect men in terms of the sex life. Again, not a, um, not true at all. Okay. So we're about to go on break. I'll answer with a few more of these after the break, um, when we hear from our sponsors. So I'll see you in a couple of minutes.
1: Your life, your health, your network, you're listening to voice America, health and wellness.
3: access
1: all the time. Take us on the go. It's even
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And today the letter is M and M is for men and sex and relationships. And this is segment two. And oh, my God, you guys are amazing. Between um, the people I know and on and my social channels, TikTok and my Facebook group and Callers writing in. We have so many questions. I doubt we'll finish them tonight. So before we start back into them, let me just tell you that um, on my in my Facebook group, my Facebook membership group, which is aptly named Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Facebook mem- Facebook group, very easy. Um, on the seventh of November, I'm doing an Ask Me Anything, and it's the men's edition. So it's anybody who identifies as men um, and, or is non-binary or gender fluid. And I will be asking any questions that you bring. Okay. How do you get to be part of that? All you've got to do is head over to Facebook and join my membership group. So let's get back into the questions. Now, if I don't, the ones I don't answer here now, I will answer there, um, on the 7th of November. Okay, let me find the next one. Goodness gracious. Like I said, there are many. Randy asked, how can I talk about my desire to be as submissive to my wife? So we're going to talk about men in submission in a minute. But let's talk about how do I, This is a, this is a question I've been asked in many ways. And the basic question is, how do I share a desire that I have that I fear my partner will have difficulty with, with my partner. That's the generalized question. So, people worry that if they're with a partner they've been with for a long time and they tell them about a desire their partner may not accept that they're going to lose somebody they really love. So this is really anxiety provoking for loads of people. Even people who are usually comfortable talking sex can find this really anxiety provoking. So what I suggest in the first instance is that you expose your partner to your desire in an indirect manner. For example, maybe if you're going to watch a movie that's hot Maybe you're going to watch porn, but if you don't like porn, maybe you're going to watch a movie that's really hot, but really isn't pornography, something really erotic. And so you pick something that has that desire of yours. So in this case, that has a dominant female and a submissive man. Pick a movie that's got that as the theme and watch it with your partner and see what their reaction is. If they're turned on, by the stuff that you're turned on by, and you can see that as a reaction, then it's easy to start the conversation. Then if you can't tell, or you think they're turned off by it, that might be more difficult. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, what else? Well, you can read erotica. You can, I mean, I've had couples, loads of couples have one person go, I was reading this story, this book and I thought it was really cool. There's a couple of stories I really like. Do you want to read it? Or um, actually making a date night activity of reading to your partner, which is really, really sexy, incredibly sexy to have someone read to you. So pick an erotic story that has your desire in it. Maybe not the most extreme example of your desire if you're not sure if your partner is going to be okay with it. But pick that and then read it and see how does your partner respond. Um, There's also audio porn. I do Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library once a week, where I read stories of mine and I have other authors come in and read their erotica. So that's stuff you can listen to. There's Girl on the Net. Um, there's a lot of erotica books that have been recorded um, for um, things like Audible. Um, for example, my memoirs on Audible, and I know of a lot of other authors. Um, Laura Antoneau's, um series is all on Audible. Really really incredible. So um, there's a lot of options where you can expose your partner in an indirect manner. But what if your partner shows no interest or they're clear that they find whatever it is challenging? In that case, you may be better off actually having a conversation with someone else present, a professional like me, because When I'm in this situation with clients, I'm able to explain to the person who is worried, concerned, upset, freaked out. um, I'm able to deal with all the myths that they've swallowed about whatever the topic is um, and handle a lot of the questions and upset. So sometimes we get a better outcome that way. And I can also help you mediate. If the person is just not turned on by whatever it is, So if Randy's wife just says, look, I'm sorry, I don't want a submissive man, right? Then you need to look at two things. One is how important is this desire to you? Sometimes a fantasy, it's just a fantasy you want to try. Other times the desire might really be a core part of your sexuality. If it's a core part of your sexuality, you need to figure out how to get that need met. And and that can look a number of different ways if your partner is not interested. One is that could be something that becomes part of your masturbatory material. So, right. So that's for solo sex only. Um, Another is that your partner may not be into doing it with you, but they may be willing to tell you a story about it while you're having sex. Right. So that you can get it brought in there by the, the, the creative imagination you may be able to negotiate opening your relationship up so you can meet that need somewhere else. Um, This happens quite a lot when the needs are around BDSM and and the other partner just isn't interested or when it turns out that the other partner has the same orientation. So if you're both submissive and neither of you switches, neither of you feels dominant at all, well, you're going to have difficulty, right? Um, you need to then usually look for somebody who's actually dominant to be involved with. So sometimes a couple will look together or they'll open their relationship up just for those activities. And sometimes it just means that you're sexually incompatible and the relationship might not survive that. But there's a lot of things that can be done as you've just heard me say, not to get to that place. Okay, so because I had a couple of other questions about submission and men, I'm going to answer that them now. So I'm going to bust a couple of myths right now. Does if, if a man's sexually submissive, does that mean he's gay? Absolutely not. There are plenty of submissive heterosexual men. There are also plenty of submissive gay men and plenty of submissive bi men and pansexual men. One has nothing to do with the other. Okay. Um, And then the next question was, do men raised by single mothers tend to be submissive? Not in my experience and not in any research that I have seen, although, you know, there isn't a whole lot of research around this. And part of the reason for that is because people do find it really difficult to um, talk to researchers about their sexuality. So um, you get, um, sometimes quite skewed samples because people are unwilling to talk about the more difficult subjects unless they're really involved and really interested. Um, so no, um, it, 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 submission doesn't come about because a man doesn't have a male role model in the home, right? It's got nothing to do with it. And in fact, a lot of men who are submissive in the bedroom are dominant in the rest of their lives, the same as a lot of women who are submissive in the bedroom and in their relationships are dominant in the rest of their lives. They may have very dominant personalities. Um, And sometimes that's about really wanting a place where they can just surrender and let go. Okay, let me head on to the next question. Um, What is the best way to get my partner to be more interested in sex? So first... Is a conversation. If you have found that your interest in sex is much higher than your partner's, that can be for a number of reasons. It can be that you just have a higher sex drive than your partner does. You may be able to negotiate having them be more interested, um, but it will be somewhere in the middle usually. In those situations where there's like really a mismatch in libido, you can sometimes negotiate to... To the middle. So you end up having sex less than you want, and your partner ends up having sex more often than they want, but it, it works out. But sometimes the reason that your partner's less interested in sex has to do with issues in your relationship, in your romantic and emotional relationship. So it's really important to to make sure that you're having regular open safe space to talk about your relationship and that issues are being brought up and and dealt with. Because if you're not doing well together, a lot of times that means when you're not doing well emotionally, a lot of times that means that the sex will be bad or people will not want to have sex that often. So you need to check that and make sure that that's not the issue. In addition, sometimes a partner won't want to have sex because they're bored. Because all that you ever do when having sex is the same thing over and over again and that there is no... Um, no uh, excitement and no mystery anymore. And so one of the ways for getting your partner interested in sex again is to shake things up a bit. Um, And that can just mean being seductive, um, planning some really interesting erotic dates. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean trying whole new activities, although that's a lot of fun, but it can mean varying the routine. If you're really stuck in a routine You have sex in the same position, in the same place, around the same time, all the time. And, you you know, foreplay looks the same and all of that. Shaking it up can be a way of really bringing the life back into your sex life and um, your partner um, finding desire all over again. So we are a couple of minutes from break. I'm going to read the next question and I will answer it when I come back. Um, how do you open dialogue in this area without creating shame, fear, and anxiety in either person? So I answered this a bit before I did talk about, you know, starting, um, starting with, um, a kind of indirect approach, but I will talk more about this after break. There are the things that cause shame, fear, and anxiety are, um, most frequently are concerns about judgment. Right. People are worried that their partner is going to go, ooh, or, oh, you're weird or God, that's disgusting. And so in order to make a conversation palatable, you really need to learn how to create a safe space in which to talk. And this is a skill that you can learn and practice in other areas before you have a conversation in this area, because this is one of the most sensitive areas. So, that is um, a a skill that lots of us were never taught and never learned, but it is actually a skill, and that's the great thing about it. That means you can take some classes, you can have some sessions with a coach, and you can learn how to create a really safe space for this type of communication. So, it's time for a break. We'll be back after some words from our sponsors. your
1: life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses
2: define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones.
0: Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week it is M is for men, sex and relationships. And we are in part three. And we've had some great questions so far. Um, So before the break, I was working on the question, how do you open dialogue in, in this area without creating shame, fear, anxiety in either person? And so what I started with was you need to learn how to create a safe space. Um, And that is the best way to begin a dialogue if you can create a safe space. Well, so what makes a safe space? A safe space is a place where you know that you're not going to be judged, where you know that nobody is going to um, uh, be aggressive or um, dismissive, um, where you know you're going to be listened to and a person is going to seek understanding. Those are the things that make a safe space. And, and most importantly, in many ways, where a person is present with you. So present, meaning in this moment, right here now, not thinking about other things, not playing a game, not writing, not doing anything, but being focused on you and, and you're focused on each other, having a conversation about this issue, which can be very sensitive. Again, this is a skill. You can learn presencing um, and you can learn better ways to presence. You need to up your communication game in your relationships to talk about sex. And in general, um, most people need to up their communication game, right? You need to practice communication a lot and you need to have really good communication if you want to have excellent sex. Um, So that's another thing, you know, Communication is a skill. It's a set of skills that you can learn. Um, One of the things I do is teach workshops on these whole areas. Also, when I do group, my VIP group, we learn these skills as part of the group along with everything else we do. So, by the time you're finished, at the end of six months or a year, you have amazing skills in all of these areas, which means that you get your needs met, your partners partners get their needs met, um, and generally you end up having much more fulfilling relationships because you're not having as much conflict, and when you do have disagreements or there's conflict, you have better tools to be able to get through them, but communication is only one part of that, right, Um, and that includes creating that safe space and being present. Um, as a follow-up question to that, I was asked, how can you express your need sensitively and openly? Um, you need to be sure that you're not you're you're owning the need. It's your need. You're not accusing the other person or giving the other person a hard time for not already have figured it out and met it in the way that you want it. Um, and that's what's most important. You're gonna need to be vulnerable. And um vulnerability can be very difficult for people because again, they're afraid that they're going to be judged. They also get afraid that they're going to be abandoned by a partner, that somebody will run away if they're vulnerable. But actually, vulnerability is incredibly fucking sexy. Right? Vulnerability is amazing and it draws people in. So that's where you want to start when you're being sent, when you're being expressing your needs, you want to be vulnerable um, to the point of saying you know, I've always wanted to talk about this, um, but I've been really embarrassed and really afraid that you would be disgusted by me or you would think I was weird or odd or you would leave me if I talked about this or maybe you've been left in the past or you've had somebody react badly in the past to be able to talk about that with your partner Um, and so that they, they can understand why you're scared and why you might be anxious. So those are some beginning tips to doing it sensitively and openly. Okay, let me look at the next question. Um. Ooh, okay, that's a that's a good one. Um, what does cross ses- cross dressing? Sorry. Say about a man's sexuality. Nothing. <clears throat> Well, it says about their sexuality. Yes, it says they enjoy it, right? But nothing about their sexual orientation. And I think that's what the question that I was really being asked. Many people think that if um, a man is a crossdresser, um, or for that matter, a woman is a crossdresser, that this means that they are gay. Um, Cross dressing has nothing to do with being homosexual. Cross dressing can be a fetish. And um, it's people cross-dress for all sorts of reasons. People cross-dress because they enjoy the clothing, because they enjoy the feeling of, for example, some men who cross-dress enjoy the feeling of women's underwear because women's underwear is generally much nicer than men's. Let's just say it. So people cross-dress for all sorts of reasons. Also, some people are trans. They're not cross-dressers. You you as someone as a partner may perceive someone as a crossdresser if they haven't been felt comfortable being open about the fact that they are trans and they're moving towards living more in their gender of choice. Um, And so they can mistakenly think that somebody is a crossdresser when they're not. That's not a sexual thing, right? That's related to gender change and gender comfort so, you know, when somebody's gender fluid um, or non-binary, they're not cross-dressing, they're dressing in what works well for their gender presentation, what feels right for them. And that's not a sexuality thing. That's about gender. The sexuality part, if somebody is a cross-dresser or a transvestite, there's a, there can be a sexual thrill in that. And so what they're doing is for the thrill, not um, because um, they're homosexual. So... I hope that one helped. Let me see if I've got another one in the email before I move on to the other questions that I took before. No, I don't. So I do have, I still have a really long list. Um, How can you encourage your partner to meet you in the middle when exploring? Great, great question. Um, Start by doing things that are easier rather than harder. And I'm going to talk about this in two ways. Let's talk about if your partner is um, not neurodiverse. People who are neurodiverse, so some people who are on the autistic spectrum, for example, sometimes have difficulty with um, change in routines. And so that the meeting in the middle can be harder there. So if you know that and you know your partner is somebody who really finds making changes, especially around areas that are sensitive, very difficult, then you have to plan that out with them very carefully. When that's not an issue, um, it still behooves you to start with something that is approachable. So if you want to start exploring BDSM and your partner's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm into that. I'm a little bit afraid of it. I'm not sure if I'm into it. And you like, um, you know, are standing there holding a Shambach or you pick up one of those big, thick school paddles. They may not be too encouraged about exploring there. That's like a big thing to ask, right? So you might want to start with something easier. Um, a simple flogger, sometimes doing sensory play. So like a bunny flogger um, where where you're just gonna um, run it over them rather than hit them with it. Start with things that are more approachable. And once they enjoy themselves, they'll usually find it easier to to build some enthusiasm about exploring with you. The other thing is if you have different things you want to explore, you can encourage them to meet you in the middle. If you're willing to try some of the things that they want to try. If you don't have things that you want to explore, you can encourage them to, if they don't have, sorry, if they don't have things they want to explore, you can encourage them to meet you in the middle by making sure that you still have some of the sex that they so enjoyed before. Like sometimes people want to start exploring kink and BDSM and they're like, oh, I never want to have vanilla sex again. And if you have a partner who really enjoys vanilla sex, so that means, um, not kinky sex, but, you know, the definition of kinky can be very wide, right? But more normative sex and, and your partner's been enjoying that. And all of a sudden you're saying, well, I never want to do that again. Yeah. They're not going to be willing to explore with you. So, you know, you need to be taking both people's needs into account. You need to look at what you enjoy now in your sex life and make sure some of that's still there. And then again, you know, start rather slowly and take your time building up in order to um, start Uh, new activities and make sure your partner's fully engaged in the activity. So if they're resistant to everything, again, you need to make sure your relationship's in decent space because when your relationship's not going well, sex usually suffers. And so, you need to make sure that emotionally things are going well. Now, we are about at break again. And in the last segment, I will respond to um, another couple of questions and um, let you know about all the things that are up and coming. And again, remind you of how you can hear the answer to the rest of these questions in the Facebook group on the 7th of November. I'll be back after some words from our sponsors. (music)
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
3: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy.
2: We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at
1: VoiceAMHealth. That's at VoiceAMHealth. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week, M is for men, sex and relationships. And this is the final part, part four of the show. Um, And I've been taking questions all evening. So um, I'm moving to the next question, which is. How do you draw out of your partner what she would really like in a way that doesn't seem like it's your fantasy? I think that's an interesting question. Um, The way that you do that is by making sure that you are not adding you into it at all. So um, I always recommend people use erotica for that, different kinds of erotica for that. And what you want to do is you want to present your partner with all sorts of different things um, and let them choose So listen to things together, Um, give them gift certificates so they can buy books or vouchers so they can buy books instead of giving them a book, right? Because like if I was going to give somebody a book, I might give somebody um, uh, the chapbook Telepaths Don't Need Safe Words and Other Stories, which is by Cecilia Chan, which is a um, a BDSM fantasy slash sci-fi book. I love it. I've read all the stories on my um, podcast. It's amazing. But that kind of is about my fantasies, not about my partner's fantasies necessarily, if I'm not sure what their fantasies are. So you can encourage them to go read some things and then tell you what they like. Uh, Watch things together and have them tell you what they like. Um, Ask them to tell you a story. Ask them to write you a letter. Do it together together. You know, um, uh, my husband and I, while we were living long distance, um, which we did for five and a half years, we wrote an erotic story together. We sent it back and forth. He would write one part. I would write the next part. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways of going about it. But the biggest thing, the the biggest tip I give you is keep you right out of it. Okay, uh, let's see. What's the next one? Women tend to approach romantic encounter with ideas of love and romance. Men can be accused of moving the evening too quickly towards sex. How do you slow yourself down? Okay, so let me say this first. Not all women approach romantic encounters with the idea of love and romance. And not all men move too quickly. Remember that there's variation here. But if if, if what it is is you have noticed that your partner really wants a lot of love and romance before any kind of physical intimacy, and you tend to move quite quickly. How do you slow yourself down? Make sure that the activities and things that you're doing for your uh, romantic part of the evening are things that you can get involved in and enjoy. That's one way to slow yourself down. Um, So, you know, if you are doing something that you do all the time, Like, um, you know, every date night you go out to the same restaurant, you go out to dinner um, and and you don't do any activity afterwards. So the pattern is we go out to dinner, we're back home within an hour and a half. And um, then I, you know, then I know I'm going to take her to bed, right? (laughs) That is, you know, that is going to be old pretty quickly. Um, And that may be seen as moving too fast or being only focused on the sex. So, plan activities that are unusual or different. For example, I um, run an event called Erotic Fireside Chat, and that event has an erotica reading and a conversation and then an activity. So, we try and teach a skill by doing a fun activity. And that event is all about helping people to um, spice up their sex lives whether you're in relationship or single, it's all about giving you new um, skills and sexual fun skills, right? Um, and so that's a kind of event that you could go to that would be different where there's some romance and there's sexual flirtation and there's sexy activities, but it's not the sex. So it's a much slower buildup to actually the actual act, right? Um, The next one of those, by the way, is Saturday night. Um, It's it's a Halloween version. So we're encouraging people to dress up. If you are interested in this, it is a paid event and it is exclusive. There's only so many spaces. So if you're interested in this, you need to get in touch and let me know. You can do that by um, joining the Facebook group. Um, That's one way to reach me. And I'll know sending me a message on Facebook Messenger, emailing me at Lori Beth at Dr. Beth Um Just let me know ASAP so we can get in contact on it. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I do these every couple of months. So, you know, this is something that I do regularly and they're almost always have a waiting list because I cannot take everybody. So that's a kind of activity or you can do another kind of activity that isn't sensual or isn't erotic. For example you know, some some sport that you enjoy, you know, go bowling. I mean, with COVID, it's more difficult. So you might need to be more creative. You know, go to a lecture, do something that you don't normally do, and then take the time to have a discussion afterwards to pace yourself. And then when it's time for the physical part of the evening, again, Take a breath and slow it down. Pace yourself. Make sure that you're fully there and you're enjoying the whole thing. Make sure that your partner's fully there and enjoying the whole thing. Um, Okay, so we probably have more time for one or two more questions. Romance, how much is the right amount? And what might be some cues for you to look for in your partner to let you know if you're hitting the mark? Well, you know, the right amount differs from person to person, right? Some people love the love romance. Other people think <laughs> so. And you need to find out what your partner thinks is romance. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is they assume based on the kind of Disney modern life model of what romance looks like, right? You've seen it in the movies. Romance means roses. Romance means whining and dining. Romance, right? So people have this image of what romance is. And they don't actually talk with their partner about what they find romantic. Sometimes, you know, somebody um, giving you a back massage can be romantic. So we're three minutes from close. So this really is the last one. So first find out what your partner believes is romance. What's romance to them? And then the cues are if you're giving them the right amount, they're going to be walking around smiling all the time. They're going to sing your praises to their friends. They're going to want to do for you as well as you doing for them. Um, And you're probably going to have a lot more physical intimacy if you're hitting the mark. So we're a few minutes from close. Um, If you have other questions that you want to see answered, as always, please write in. It doesn't matter if the question pertains to the show that week. I will still answer them. And sometimes my guests will answer them too. Um, and do write in if there's a guest that you want to see or a topic that you would really like to see covered on the show. You can reach me at Lori Beth at com. Again, the easiest way to find me these days is to head over to my Facebook, the aptly named Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's membership group. Um, and that is... Um, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Uh, It's a free group. Content goes in there. First, we do all sorts of activities. There's events and there are discounts on just about everything else I do. This is my test group, right? So I try things out on you. I ask you guys questions um, and I, I get feedback and interest from you. That helps me to plan the things that I enjoy doing. So That is definitely the best value and the easiest way to find me these days. So do head on over there and join that. Also, you can now find me on TikTok and it's at LoriBethUK. And that's L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-U-K. And I'm having an absolute ball. I'm doing a series at the moment on consensual non-monogamy language 101. We're up to part 10 is the next one. So do come find me on TikTok and let me know that you enjoy the podcast and that you're a regular listener. Please, please, please. Also, last thing I'm going to ask you for today, please go and leave a review. Reviews are really helpful and far too many people don't leave them. Please leave a review. The first five people who do so are going to get a prize. See you all next week when the letter is N is for Naked Dancing.
1: Hope you learned something today. But if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori at DrLoriBethBisby.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of The A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week.